the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, your gates be lifted up, your ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle. The Lord, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, your gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, and the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 30. Again, it will be like man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The men with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So So take the bag of gold for him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw out the worthless and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, it really is uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, A number of years ago, my uh, brother was going overseas, and before he went overseas, he asked to do us to do a favour, our family to do a favour, my wife and uh, myself, and we had three kids living at home at that stage. And this was the favour, to look after their dog 
while they went overseas. And we didn't have a dog at the time, so we thought, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, that'll be uh, wonderful to have a, uh, a dog in the house. Hands up if you've got a dog in your family. You're all dog lovers, so you get this, right? The importance of having someone reliable to look after your pets when you go away. So the dog came to live at our house. It was a couple of weeks before Christmas. I came from home from work on about the second day after we'd been looking after the dog, and I noticed casually that this side gate was open to our house, which is a little bit unusual. And I went inside and said to my wife, Kathy, hey, um, Rufus, uh, he's not with you? And we realised, we searched and we realised the dog was gone. Ah, that sinking feeling, right? The dog has been entrusted to us. So, Kathy called out upstairs to our children, Come down now, Rufus has gone! Now, the timing was extraordinary. My daughter was on the phone or some app to her cousin, that is the owner of the dog, in Germany at the time, and she heard Kathy call out, come down, Rufus is gone. She went into a flat spin, an absolute panic. She called her dad, who was in, uh, in the US at the time. She called her mother, who was in another part of Germany. She called her brother, who was in Japan. It seems like within 10 minutes, the whole world knew of our total incompetence when it comes to looking after the dog. I said to my daughter, come down, quickly put on Facebook, you know, Rufus, white Labrador, gone missing, call this number. And then we stopped, we prayed. Five minutes later, the phone rang and it was a neighbour about three doors down who we'd never met and said, uh, yeah, I've got Rufus down here. He's sitting watching television with me. <laughs> so all good. So the point of the story is... When you're going away, you've got to find someone really reliable to entrust your valuables to. You've got to find someone reliable to entrust your valuables to. Jesus makes that point in the story we're going to look at this morning. Just as an aside, a couple of days later, I was walking Rufus just around the, uh, the suburb, and this guy came up to me who I'd never met before, and he goes, Is that Rufus? <laughs> How is it that my brother's dog is better known in this community than I am? Anyway, so Jesus tells this story, and we're going to uh, have a look at it there. It's, uh, that if you've got that passage open in front of you, uh, I'll have Sophia read for us now this story that Jesus tells. Let's have a look at the first couple of verses, 14 and 15. Thanks, Sophia. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Okay, five bags of gold. Some of the old translations use the word talents. Do you remember uh, hearing the story told before? And to one he gave five talents, another two talents. Mm. It's a bit misleading, I think, when we hear the word talents, because when we hear talents, we think of abilities or capabilities. That's not what it's talking about. The word talent was a unit of, of uh, measurement of weight, and then it later became uh, as a unit of, uh, of currency, like a value of something. And it's a lot of money is what we're talking about. One talent... One talent was the equivalent of 20 years, 20 years of 
a labourer's wages. I looked up uh, earlier on the ABS uh, stats. They tell us that now the minimum wage in Australia is $21.38. You multiply that uh, out uh, and you get about $45,000 a year. But they also tell us that the average labourer's wage is $58,000 a year. You multiply that out over 20 years and you get $1.1 million. So Let's just round it down to keep the maths a bit easier for us. One talent, a million dollars. Two talents, you can do this. Two million dollars. See, we're on a roll. See if we can go again. Five talents, five million dollars, right? We're talking about a huge amount of money. I've brought a lot of money with me this morning. I need three volunteers. Can I have three volunteers come up? This won't end badly. It's okay. You'll be okay. Come on, kids. Who we got? It's, I love it when parents volunteer their children. Like, go for it. You're going to love this. You will. It'll be fun. There may even be chocolate involved. I'm just saying, you know. They don't like chocolate. We've come out here and we can't find any chocolate. Yes, I can see one hand up the back. Come on up. That's good. Fantastic. Fantastic. I need two more volunteers of any size, of any age. Thank you very much. Was it the word chocolate that you heard there? Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I think to be fair, you, you volunteered, right? And that's what we want. And you were the next up. So, sorry, guys. A little bit slow. Back. But thank you for uh, thank you for offering. Okay, now to one he gave one bag of gold. Thank you. I want to sit over there, please. <laughs> to one he gave two bags of gold. Leave it over there. And to one. He gave five bags of gold. Okay, you can sit over there as well. So you should have that one as well. Five bags of gold, five million dollars. Now, uh, for my sins, I did a uh, Bachelor of Commerce a long time ago, and there was a thing there that the investors tell us about. These, this is the, uh, the magic of compound interest, and it's called the Rule of 72. And the way it works is this. You take that number 72, and you divide it by the rate of compound interest, and that gives you the number of years it takes to double your investment. So I'll give you an example to make it uh, make sense. We take 72 that number, and let's imagine we had a compound rate of interest of 7.2, so 72 divided by 7.2 is 10, well done, 10, and so that would mean if the compound rate of interest was 7.2, it would take 10 years and you would double your money. If the compound rate of interest was 10% per annum, then you double your money every 7.2 years. Okay, so think about that. Now, let's read the next part of the story. Uh, where do we get up to? We got up to uh, verse 16 to 18. If we have it uh, 16 to 18. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. 
So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Okay, let's see how we go here. So um, the guy who got five bags, he got another five bags. Come on up, come on up. Okay. Stand there. Yep. And the, uh, the one who had two bags, he got another two. Come on up. Yep. And the guy who had one, he got... That's it, is it? No, no, come up. Come up. Come up. Pretty ordinary effort, that. That's it, is it? That's it? Okay. Okay, can we read uh, verses 19 to 23? Please. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received bags of gold... Oh, the man who had received five bags of gold bought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Okay, just pause there. And the master replied, Well done! Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then let's have a look at verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you, do not, where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you wicked, lazy servant. <laughs> Give me the bag. Have a seat, guys, and we will share these later. <laughs> well done. Give these guys a, a clap. Does that feel a bit rough? Like, he was given one bag and he returned one bag. What he did was uh, buried it, which was fairly commonplace in the first century. That's, that's the way you would keep valuables safe. You'd uh, put them underground. And as long as you remembered where you buried it, then it wasn't a bad thing. You got it uh, back. What was wrong with that? Why did the master condemn him for returning what he'd given him? Well, let's uh, read verse 26. Sophia, can you read uh, verse 26 for us? His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. See? Rule of 72. 
Right? Even if it was a low amount of interest with the bankers, he should have at least done something with the money. He should have been wise with it. He should have invested it to get a return. He calls him wicked because he had a long period of time. He had, bear in mind, how much did he have? A million dollars. 20 years salary at his disposal and he did diddly squat with it. He sat on it, or more literally, he buried it in the ground. That's the problem. He'd been given so much, and he acted out of fear rather than faith. It was a long period of time, a huge amount of money, so that bag was taken from him, we read, and given to the one who has ten bags. What's the application for us? The application is, friends, that firstly we need to be ready for Jesus' return. Jesus tells this story. All the servants knew that he was coming back. Two of them acted very wisely with the enormous amount they've been given. The other didn't act with wisdom. He acted with fear. He didn't use what he'd been given. We are to use what we have been given faithfully for the purposes of God's kingdom, for kingdom growth. So our question must be, in this church, as in any church or any Christian community, what have we got and how can we use it for kingdom growth? Now, we've already heard this morning from uh, your minister that the budget is down. Yeah, I understand that, right? $20,000, that's a significant amount of money. I get that. But, Think about what is in our hand rather than what is not in our hand. Compared to most parts of the world, the resources that we have at our disposal in churches in our diocese is kind of off the scale in terms of financial resources, in terms of the training that we can have, in terms of the equipping, in terms of the facilities that we have, in terms of the structures that we have, in terms of the Bible colleges that we have, in terms of the sheer of money we have, yes, we have so much. How are we to use that for the purpose of God's kingdom? Where are we to invest not just our money, but our time and our human resources? Notice the application, though, of this passage, of this parable. It's not a call to give but to use. It's not a call to give, but to use. In many parts of the world, if you hear this passage preached, I assure you what you'll get at this point is a call to give more money. But that's not the story that Jesus is telling. He is saying he has generously blessed people with so much. It's a call to use what they've been given rather than a call to give more. So, what have we got to use? Well, you have your facilities, you have your finances, you have your, your, uh, um, your human resources. But the other thing I want to highlight to you is that you have something really important, and that is you have relationships. Or put a little bit more clinically, you have relational capital. You've all invested in people. You've all invested relationships in families, in your neighbourhood, with your colleagues at work, you have relational capital with non-Christians, with people who need to hear and respond 
to the gospel. Notice this, that when Jesus returns, he is not going to say to anyone, well done, good and successful servant. They are not words that we will hear. What we hope to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. We are called to be faithful. How are we going to be faithful then with the finances, yes, but the relationships that we have? Act in faith, not out of fear. Let me give you a couple of uh, questions that came out in the uh, recent NCLS data. The NCLS data has just been released and the uh, national results for two of the questions. Question, one of the questions was this. If you ask 10 non-Christian people you know to come to church, how many on average would say yes? If you ask 10 non-Christian people to come to church, how many on average would say yes? So draw to mind 10 non-Christian people that you know. Not just know of, but know. At work, neighbours, family members that aren't Christian. Hold that thought. Second question asked was this. Do non-Christian Australians believe that religion is good for society? Do non-Christian Australians believe that religion, that's how it was written, is good for society? Yes or no? Okay, let's think about the first question. What do you reckon? If you ask 10 non-Christian people to come to church, how many would say yes? What do you reckon? One? You reckon none? Zero? Yeah. Yeah, there'll be different factors, and bear in mind, you know, the, the validity of the data is that's right across Australia, and so it's not just thinking of Currajong and your friends or your family or your um, antagonistic colleagues. Across the nation, the answer was that three out of ten would accept an invitation, and only of the other seven, only three would be a definite no. The other four would be swayed by a couple of things. They would be swayed by this. Primarily, and notice it—it's not. Uh, I'd be—I'd be more inclined to come if uh, there were really good facilities there, or or if uh, if it had sort of uh, accessibility, or was or more modern in the in its values, or were polished in its presentation. No, the determining factor of whether those other four would come was whether the person. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> No, it's something, actually something more significant than that. It is this, that the person who made the invitation was keen for them to come. If that came across as a genuine invitation, then there was a sense that they would be welcome when they arrived. So that's potentially 7 out of 10 of people, non-Christians that you know, who would come to church if you asked them and said, hey, I really want you to come, it's important to me and do welcoming well, which I'm sure you would. Think about that. The other question was then, is religion good for society? And on that one, it was a bit split, 50-50. But then when they were asked, uh, what are the things that you uh, appreciate about uh, 
um, Christians, what are the top five responses? They are, Christians are, caring, kind, honest, loving and generous. Caring, kind, loving, honest and generous. That sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it? I reckon that, that, that works. So here's my application for you this morning. Friends, what is one conversation you could have this week with one neighbour, one friend, one colleague, one non-Christian family member, one investment in a person you could have this week which under God could bring kingdom growth? Who will you invite to church next week? Our mandate as disciples is clear. Use what we have for God's kingdom with energy and wisdom and creativity and passion and courage, but mostly with faithfulness. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray, please, would you strengthen us to act with courage and wisdom and faithfulness, not fear, to be emboldened to have the conversations you provide for us to have, to make the invitations to our neighbours, our friends, our family, and that they might hear the good news of Jesus, the saving gospel. Father, let us not be found wanting in utilising that which you have so generously given us to use. Father, we praise you for your love and mercy and ask that you would continue to build your kingdom here in Karajong. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.